funders want to be seen as people and they want even the, the richest person in the world wants to know that you care about them as a human being. We just met with a funder yesterday and he, and he basically said, y'all are only some of the only people that has ever went and had coffee with me would ask me for money because people see him as a slot machine. You just... Fall means peak fundraising season for many news nonprofits. And our three guests today are full of advice about how to build relationships with potential funders, especially those without a long history of supporting journalism. Kimberly Griffin is the publisher and director of revenue for Mississippi Free Press. Kimberly Spencer is the senior director of development and donor relations at Chalkbee. And Robert Chappell is the associate publisher of Madison 365. Kimberly, Kimberly and Robert, welcome to News Guest. For having me. So we're going to jump into it because we've got quite the paddle today. And this is our first time talking to three newsroom leaders at the same time. And, you know, this is a topic that every newsroom, especially nonprofit newsrooms, are thinking about right now. We're all talking about year in giving and how to make the most of this important time um, for fundraising. So all of you have been really successful at local fundraising. So I really want to focus first on local fundraising and getting those local funders and corporations to give you support. And I'm going to start with Kimberly Spencer of Chalkbeat. How are you able to help funders understand, especially those funders who have not given to journalism typically, how are you making the case for them to support Chalkbeat um, in all of your different locations across the country? Great question. Um, For us, you know, it really comes down to being in the community. While we're a national organization, our journalism is very locally focused. So being in those communities, usually it's the communities that ask us to come there and it's the funders. But yeah, once we get there and get established, we need to be able to support the Bureau. So for us, it's really about accountability. If you are, if you are an education funder, you want to know what's happening with those dollars. Uh, we are the people that are going to hold policymakers accountable, districts accountable. So it's being in the community, proving the case around accountability. And it's usually not a super hard sell when you present it that way. And I'm, I'm going to move here to Kimberly Griffin and, and just move that topic just down a, a, to another area a bit. You're working in Jackson, Mississippi, and in many of our communities, journalism has not always been seen as a good for the people um, in the community. How do you sort of make reckon with that idea of journalism sometimes causing harm for communities and how funders might also carry some of those same feelings when it comes to bringing in those local dollars. So I grew up in Jackson, Mississippi, um, and have spent a large part of my life in Mississippi. And I, I heard someone say recently that journalists and newspapers and newsmakers have often been factual about communities, but they haven't told the truth. Mm. And so that's the harm that we often reckon with. Um, Donna Ladd, my uh, founder, uh, co- my partner in this endeavor, and one of the other founders, um, really talks about the fallacy of both sidesism, and that's something that many funders can carry with them because they just don't know. Not that they're trying to do harm. This is what they were taught. This is the way it's supposed to be. You're supposed to be unbiased. That's ridiculous. Everybody has a bias. You can just do the best you can to be fair and do the right thing. That's 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 the best you can hope for with it, with your journalism. 
And so one thing is we, as our community, needs to explain that better um, and explain how that's harmful. Um, and, it, and, and funders can hear you. They're not, they're not, they're not stuck somewhere, but we, in our social media, in our community conversations, we need to explain why that has been harmful and continues to be harmful, um, to all particularly marginalized communities in Mississippi, that's communities of color. That's also rural communities. I mean, they have been harmed by this. And in like layers upon layers, immigrant communities in Mississippi, we've just been harmed, harmed, harmed. And so I think you have to keep that conversation going because we make a decision about people where they said this, they believe this, and they're unwilling to change. It's it's our job because we are go- trying to do it better. Everybody's make shot not nodding their heads to explain what good journalism is. Hmm. The audience can't see this, but we're all on video. So there were a lot of head nods during that. And I hope that wherever you're listening, you received um, that wisdom from Kimberly as well. So Robert from Madison 365, I want to move over to you and let's talk about serving a specific audience that many funders might want to reach and engage. And I want to read something to you that you said, and I want you to just talk to us about your thoughts around this concept. Our mission is to serve communities of color and train young people of color to become journalists. So anyone who wants to fund journalism and or workforce diversity in Madison is going to come to us. I don't think a lot of people think about journalism funding and workforce development. And honestly, you blew my mind when I read that because I don't think I had made that connection either. So let's talk about how you got to that point. Well, we when we started 6 years ago, uh our our founder has been a nonprofit guy in this community for a long time. So he had a lot of established relationships. And when he went to those local, we're talking mostly about local corporate funders in addition to our local community foundation. And if you and if if you have a robust community-minded corporate culture in your community, you'll probably find some money there, right? So our pitch wasn't, we weren't necessarily pitching journalism to them. We were pitching a publication that will highlight and lift up and address the issues of this whole community that hasn't been served by media before. So that'll do lots of things. It'll, it'll engage that community and offer you as a corporate brand an opportunity to reach that community that you might not be reaching. Also, if you just, in your corporate mission, Diversity is important to you. You're funding a diversity initiative more than you're funding journalism, right? Journalism is the tool we use in our diversity initiative. Uh, but also it's just um, one of the other sort of auxiliary effects of a robust um, news outlet for and by communities of color is that it, it creates this sense or a public acknowledgement that there are diverse people in Madison. Right. So it kind of becomes a a thing where the Chamber of Commerce actually uses us to promote the fact that black and brown people can live in Madison. It's like a recruitment and retention thing for them. So that's uh, also appealing to them and they want to support that. And uh, so if and all these corporations at this moment in time for the past five years here in Madison uh, have had this this imperative. Right. To support communities of color, to reach communities of color, to uplift 
the voices of communities of color. Um, we're able to actually do that, and they're actually able to help us do that uh, by supporting this financially. So, yeah, so it's almost like, you know, get out of the way and let us do what we have expertise in doing, and, you know, and hand us the cash to do it. Right, <laughs> exactly. And if I could add to that, uh, it, it's it, it, I want to emphasize the fact that we're not necessarily pitching journalism to them, because as Kimberly, as both Kimberly's kind of said, journalism is... Uh, kind of an abstract thing. It's kind of insider baseball and maybe a little bit hard to make that case. Uh, but find something that they're really passionate about that they want to fund. If, if you are in doing, if you're recovering the environment and you have a corporation in your community that's really, uh, focused on environmental issues, if you cover arts and you have corporations that really want to fund the arts, right? If you, if you're talk beat and, and you have, uh, corporations nearby who want to fund schools and education like journalism about those things helps those things right so you can hit those sweet spots without necessarily going journalism first you're going environmental first you're going diversity first you're doing arts first and the journalism is your tool to do that but what you're really appealing to is their other variety of funding interests that they have in their in their philanthropic uh, portfolio it's it's so interesting to think about that because I came to journalism later in my career. This is not how I started my career. And um, so much of what I think often holds back journalism from um, expanding is the amount of ego tied to the concept of journalism. Um, And so when I hear you, Robert, talk about this idea that journalism is kind of insider and it is right. Like we think everybody's thinking about us. And the reality is, is that people are thinking about their own lives. And if we intersect those lives, great. But often we are not. Hey, I'm Ben DeJarnett, communications manager at Lion Publishers. And there's more of this episode coming up right after a short word from the presenting sponsor of the 2021 Lion Local Journalism Awards, the Google News Initiative. If you followed Lion's work at all this year, you know how much we teamed up with GNI on efforts to help independent founders build, launch, and grow sustainable local news businesses. The GNI Startups Playbook, the GNI Startups Bootcamp, the GNI Startups Lab, the GNI Startups Workshop. These programs helped Lion members and other local news publishers accelerate their path to sustainability. And they also taught us a lot about what sustainability really means and what it takes to get there. Here's GNI Startups lead Connor Crowley talking about the pillars of sustainability that are essential for independent news businesses and what GNI can do to help founders reach them. I think we've also learned that there are several different facets to sustainability. It's not just about the dollars and cents. Operational, personal considerations, they have to come into play too. Take an example. If an emerging news business is making six figures by their year two, then that's all well and good. But if doing so is requiring a founder and their staff to work 90 hours per week, then is that really going to be sustainable in the long run? You'd have to say probably not. And that burnout is going to be a real risk factor there. So I think it's important that we don't measure sustainability in purely financial terms. Achieving sustainability in this more holistic sense, that might represent an even greater challenge for early stage news publishers, but it's one that the GNI is fully committed to helping them solve for. In addition to partnering with us on the GNI Startups program, the Google News Initiative was also the presenting sponsor of this year's Lion Local Journalism Awards, where we recognize the dedication and excellence of Lion members across the U.S. and Canada. So on behalf of the whole Lion team, thank you to the Google News Initiative. And now let's get back to the conversation. Let's talk about um, 
the sort of nuts and bolts of, of fundraising. I know that there are folks listening. They're like, look, okay, great. You all can have all these, you know, high uh, conversations, but how do I get in the door? How do I meet a funder? How do I, you know, introduce them to my organization and to our work? I'm going to start uh, with you, Robert. How are you meeting local funders? How are you making that connection from the very uh, beginning? Uh, there's a, a very famous among sociologists paper called The Strength of Weak Ties. This is the paper from Mark Granvetter who leaves, who, this is where we get the concept of six degrees of separation. This is the most cited paper in all of sociology. And what it boils down to is you got to know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. Right? It's, it's about who you know and not necessarily who you know in your own inner circle, but who everybody in your inner circle has their own inner circles and their own. And so you got to work those connections, right? You got to work that social network, uh, to, and that'll get you in the door. And, and the person you're trying to get in the door with, uh, it shouldn't be necessarily the ad buying people, right? Cause they're going to have different metrics of success, right? They're going to be looking for the number of clicks and the number of eyeballs and all that. Uh, you want to get in with the community outreach people. You want to get in with the philanthropy people. You want to get in with the CEO if you can. Because the CEO or the COO or the C-suite, the VP levels, they're going to have missions, right? They're going to have things that they want to accomplish in the community. And and if you can convince them that you can help them accomplish those things by by partnering with your site, by supporting your site, by, by supporting your – or by associating your brand with theirs – uh, that's how you can get in, and, which also, by the way, presupposes that you have built a brand that they want to associate with, which is a long and intentional process. That is going to be the next episode of Newsguest. <laughs> <laughs> so Kimberly Griffin, I'm going to move the ball to the next step. So you got in the door. Congratulations. How do you build and nurture that relationship with that funder? Oh, there's so many layers to this. And I'm still learning. I'm from ad sales school. I just started doing nonprofit like last year. So I'm learning along the way. Um, one of the things I think there are a couple layers of being helpful is we have a, a, a great director of giving, Kristen Hemmons, and she just talks to funders. She sends them things they're interested in. Did you see this where we did this big education piece? Did you see this where we talked about you know, mass mandates, did you just always kind of keeping them in the loop on their interest? Um, funders want to be seen as people and they want even the, the richest person in the world wants to know that you care about them as a human being. We just met with a funder yesterday and he, and he basically said, y'all are only some of the only people that has ever went and had coffee with me would ask me for money because people see him as a slot machine. You just, you know, he was like, <laughs> so that's that's the long game and it feels especially if you've been in sales as a lot of media people have been they used to be in sales that feels weird like you want to ask you ask and then you slide a contract over at somebody that's what we're used to doing um but creating those really deep um in-depth relationships because they're gonna get mad at you at some of your coverage and you just have to know that but if they know you as people and as human beings then they can they'll be mad they'll get over it because they know you're trying to do the right thing um the other thing I don't think we talk about very much is things I'm working on is there is some automation that you can do to create a good user experience. So if you start to kind of understand automatically, like if you are it understand that your thousand dollar donor is always clicking on the education stories, 
in the newsletter, well, that's good data. And that helps you create a better experience for them. And I don't think we talk about that enough, especially in do good journalism. Um, and so that's some of the things we work on is we really want to know, we're going to make that experience on our website and our newsletter as positive as it can be. That is a wonderful piece of advice. And I think that for folks who are trying to figure out their tech stack still, trying to make trying to make that newsletter talk to that website, which talks to that donor management system, this is a great place for Lion to get involved. <laughs> that is my ad for Lion. So Kimberly Spencer, let's talk about getting a funder across the finish line. Chalkbeat has been really successful at fundraising and a lot of fundraising is just closing the deal and getting the money in the door. So what is some practical advice that you might share with the audience about how to get those funders across the finish line? Great question. I think the first piece is don't rush the process as much as we need money, as much as we need funding. That doesn't mean that the donor is on the same time timeline. And also kind of prioritize, prioritize. If, if, I would rather a donor when I walk in tell me I'm not interested, this is never gonna happen, so I can move on to the next donor. So prioritize, prioritize those high level, high return donors. Uh, depending on the level, if they're a major donor, uh, for us, you know, that's $1,000, 25,000 or up, um, you know, we try to find out is there some type of connection experience we can create for them? So that may be talking to our editor in chief, or you know, if they have specific questions uh, about Talkbeat is getting ready to, to to grow. So so around scaling. So we had a, a funder that really had questions, and we created an event because we figured, hey, this funder has the same questions as other funders. But it was very targeted. But it also allowed us to sharpen our story. So that's super helpful. Um, I think the other thing for getting the funder across the line, make a hard ask. I know a lot of people with a number, have a number in mind, not just will you support us. Funders like to know that you've done your homework. So go with a, a, a number in mind and know that you may negotiate down or negotiate up or negotiate however, but have that number in mind that shows the funder, you've done your homework, you know kind of what the alignment is and you know what they want to support and at what level. And, and it's not going to be spot on. You're not in anybody's bank account, but you can make a guess. You know, there's great tools out there, Wealth Engine, Donor Search, that will allow you to go in and look and look at a donor's profile. So I, I think the number one thing is making a hard ask. I've seen so many times that people have missed the opportunity because they get scared to actually say, I need $5,000. I would like your support. You know, can you give that to us? Uh, I see a lot of people that just kind of leave it soft. We'd love your support. Well, you know that you need $5,000. You should ask for that. And the donor is expecting that. That's great. So we're just about at time, but before we leave today, I'm gonna ask each of you to answer this question. As we are headed into year in giving, which is our championship game for anyone who is, is running a nonprofit, what are what is one goal you have that is non-monetary 
that is tied to your year in giving goals. I'm going to start with Kimberly Griffin. I'm sorry, with Kimberly Spencer, because you were shaking your head. So I feel like you have an answer ready to go. And then we'll move to Robert from Madison 365. And then we'll close out with Kimberly Griffin. Yeah. So for us, I think it's increasing audience. At the end of the day, that's that's our goal anyway. Even when we bring in money, you know, to pay for the journalism, we want to increase our readers. So that's definitely a goal that's tied to our year-end campaign around membership and getting members in the door. So, so that would be kind of that secondary piece beyond just closing whatever our goal is for end of year. Great, Robert. Um, th- this is uh, we, we're we are in the midst of launching a. a robust membership program and you know, like a monthly subscriber program. Uh, and, and part of the, one of the ways to that, to help that succeed is to increase engagement, um, through in all of our channels. Um, we have lots of ways for people to engage with us, which also means we have lots of ways for sponsors to get involved. Uh, but we have podcasts. I do a daily update show on Facebook live. Uh, we do, uh, we have a newsletter, we have the website, obviously. We have all our, our social channels, and we have events. Uh, we do three three big uh, professional development events every year. So, uh, and our goal, our non-monetary goal for this year-end period is to increase the engagement in all those in terms of listenership on the podcast, viewership on the daily show, and uh, not so much uh, subscriptions to the email, but to increase the open rate on the emails. Uh, so that, you know, folks who have decided to be engaged with us, we want to loop them in a little bit harder, you know, does that make sense? Absolutely. And then finally, we're going to take it to, uh, to wrap us up, we're going to take it to Kimberly Griffin of the Mississippi Free Press. Oh, don't ask a money person about non-money goals. <laughs> Go ask editorial <laughs> these questions. Um, <laughs> um, well, I think for us, it is, increasing our actual newsletter subscriber base. We have a, a decent open rate uh, considering we're um, new-ish and also increasing how we're communicating with our donors. So just making our whole newsletter landscape more robust so that's increasing members, who uh, folks that subscribe to the newsletter, but also creating how we communicate beyond that daily newsletter. What else, how are so we talking to them um, and giving them updates and courage about us. So I think for me, kind of the bottom line is number of folks on that list because so far the open rate's decent, but I'd love to get that number to be really something magnificent. Great. Well, thank each one of you, Kimberly, Kimberly, and Robert for joining us today on News Guest. And I wish you each the best of luck in your year in giving and also to our audience, because I'm sure all of you are <laughs> are uh, in your own newsroom somewhere. I wish you all the best as we close out this year. News Guest is a production of Lion Publishers, the only journalism association solely dedicated to helping news entrepreneurs launch and build stronger independent news businesses. Special thanks to our host, Candace Fortman, our guests, Kimberly Griffin, Kimberly Spencer, and Robert Chappell, and our supporters, the Google News Initiative, the Facebook Journalism Project, Democracy Fund, and the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation for making this work possible.